Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Life and Torah of Our Leaders. Live Tuesday mornings with First Seder Bis Medrash. <clears throat> Special welcome to our Torah Anytime viewers and listeners who will be joining us for this year as well. Today we're going to talk about the Maram Mirutenberg. We spoke about in the last few weeks the Neid de Behuda, whose yard site was Yudzayin ER, the Ramah, whose yard site was Lagba Imer Yudches ER, and the next day Yudtes ER was the yard site of the Maram Mirutenberg. The Maram Mirutenberg was his name was Rav Meir Ben Rav Baruch. And he was Nifter in the year 1293. So we're going a long time uh, back in history from the Tkufa that we've been talking about recently. This was his 728th yard site. So the Marami Rutenberg was the last of the Bali, one of the last of the Bali Hatoisvis. So when we talk about Rishainim, it's, uh, it's very hard to find exact details of the history of their life, and we have to call it from their Svarim, and uh, we will do our best. It is a very interesting, interesting uh, story. <coughs> so we've touched on the Marami Rutenberg a long time ago when we talked about the Rush, and we talked about the Tur. The Rush was one of his primary Talmidim, the Tur being the son of the Rush, and we touched about, upon the Marami Rutenberg in those Shiurim. He was born... Uh, in the neighborhood of 1215 to 1220, anywhere in those years. It's not exactly uh, clear what year he was born, but around then, and he was born in the city of Worms. His father's name was Reb Baruch. Now his father was a Talmud Chacham, and um, he, um, in the Mardchai, the Mardchai, which is in the back of the Gemara, which, as we'll see, he was a Talmud of the Maram Rutenberg, he writes that uh, there was a Shiloh that was asked to the Maram Rotenberg. This is in uh, in Asaycher Esa Omnim, Ois Shim Mevav, and he writes, "Barav Baruch Avi Rabbeinu Meir Hevi Raya." So he quotes Rav Baruch, the father of Rabbeinu Meir, brought a Raya. So you see, he was a Talmud Chacham, his father, being quoted by the Mardchai. Um, in Shulchan Aruch. In Simon Reish Mem, it talks about the obligation for one to stand up for his father. So the halacha says that if the father is a student of his own son, so the, Ram, the Rambam paskins that the son still has to stand up for his father. So even though the son is the Rebbe, and you would think perhaps he shouldn't stand up for his father, who's his student, the Rambam Paskins, that the son still stands up for the father, and the father, who's the student, does not stand up for his son, who is his Rebbe. However, the Torah says that the Rush says that the Rush Paskins, that they both stand up for each other. The son stands up for his father, and the father stands up for his son because of Kavod of Rabbi. And it's Tully in a, a Shiloh in the Gemara that the Gemara does not uh, resolve if a son has to stand up for his father, who's his reb, um, for his, who, is, who is his student, and if a father has to stand up for his son, who is his Rebbe. And the Rush says, since it's a Suffolk Dairaisa, they both have to be Machmer and they both have to stand up. But then the Torah writes, and the Rush writes this, Amru al-Ram Merotenberg, Shemiyoyim Shalolik Dula, Lohikpil Pnei Aviv. That from the day he became a Gadol, 
exactly when that was. He had a big yeshiva, as we'll see. So he never saw his father again. He didn't go to his father, and his father didn't come to him, because it was a shayla, since he was much bigger than his father, Perhaps he was considered like his father's Rebbe. So now you had a suffix. Who stands up for whom? Or do they not stand up for each other? And the Darke Moshe, the Ramah, asks, he says, I don't understand. Let the Maram be Moichel HaKvaydai. And his father doesn't have to stand up for him. A Rebbe could be Moichel HaKvaydai. And the, the, the Darke Moshe, it says, maybe it was in public. People won't know why this person is not standing up for the Maram, they're not going to know it's his father, but if it would be his father, people wouldn't, if it would be a place they know his father, people would understand it. So, <clears throat> the, um, so therefore, Lehikbil Pnei Aviv, and Velei Ratza Aviv, Yavai Atzla, he didn't want his father to come, um, to come to him. Now, <clears throat> I'm having issues here with the zoom. One second. To re-log on to the Zoom. Uh, try again. Okay, I apologize. I don't know. We had some Zoom issues here. Um, <clears throat> so now we'll continue. The Maram learned in the city called Würzburg, and he learned at to get. Um, he learned from Rabbeinu Yitzchak Mivin, who is the author of the Arzuruah. This is before he went to Vin to Vienna. The author of the Arzuruah was his rabbi. Like the Mardchai and Maid Katan brings about um, believing a guy who says that someone died if the relatives have to start their Avelos. So the Marami Rutenberg writes there, quoted by the Mardchai, V'zachruni, I remember, Kishayisi Tinak, when I was a young child, V'yisi B'Wurtzburg, and I was in Wurtzburg, when I was drawing water, meaning I was learning from Rev Yitzchak um, from Vin. And also the Mardchai Bava Basra also quotes the Maram that he says, V'shuv v'lomdi b'vakama b'fnei ha-Rav Yitzchak mivin. And also when I was learning b'vakama from Rav Yitzchak Avin, this, uh, this is what he said. So this was his prime, one of his primary Rabbeim was the author of the Arzarua. After that, he left Germany and went to France to learn at the, uh, in the yeshiva of Rabbi Chil mi Paris, Rabbi Chil of Paris, one of the Bali HaTaisvis. Now, it's, it's good to know that the Marami Rutenberg is the author of Taisvis and Mesech de Yuma. We're learning Mesech de Yuma and Yaimi now, and he is the author of those Taisvis of Mesech de Yuma. So in Yuma, Daf Yudches Amir Beis, he brings Shamati Bishem Moiri Harav Rabbi Chil Mi Paris Zatzal. I heard from my master, Rabbi Chil from Paris. Now it is interesting to note, if you do learn through the Taisvis and in Yuma, you will find that there are a few other contemporaries 
of the Maram Rutenberg that lived in his generation, that he actually calls them Moiri as well, but it doesn't seem that he actually learned from them as a Rebbe, even though he gives them this chash of a term as Moiri. For example, in Yuma Samach Gimel Medbez, he says, Hikshi Moiri Kroivi HaKayan Rav Yehuda Zatzal. My relative, my master, Rav Yehuda the Kayan. Um, on Zayin Beis, he quotes Meiri Harav Yehuda Mimitz, another from the Bali Atayisvis, but it doesn't seem that these were actually his Rabbeim, they were more contemporaries. But Rabbi Chil of Paris was his Rebbe. Now, in the year 1240, there's a famous uh, debate that went on about the Gemara, about the Talmud, that the, uh, the Christians said that it has anti-Christian views in there, based on the translation of a Meshumud, um, Nicholas Donin, his name was, who translated parts of the Shas, and then he went to the to the Pope, Pope Gregory the Ninth, and um, now this Nicholas already had been put in Cherem by the Chachme France, Chachme Tsarfas, because of his heretical views, and um, but he wanted to take Nakama against them, so he brought his proofs from his translation of the Talmud to the Pope and told him how it's all anti anti-Christian, and in those days the big thing was to get the Jews to convert to Christianity, so he was saying that the thing that's the um, going preventing Jews from seeing quote-unquote the truth is the Talmud. If we get rid of the Talmud, we won't have any problems. And um, they, were, they, were, they were invited to a debate in the palace of Louis IX, who was also no Jew lover, and uh, basically Nicol- <coughs> Nicholas and, and, the, uh, and the priests we're going to have a debate with four Chachamim. The four Baliyataisvis, Rabbi Chilmi Paris was one of them, Rabbi Moshe Mikutsi, the author of the Smag, Rabbi Nishmuel ben Shloima mi Palaiza, and Rabbi Yehuda ben David mi Malon. These four Baliyataisvis, Rabbi Yehuda ben David is quoted in Taisis Rabbeinu Peretz, Bavakam and Gimel. These four Baliyataisvis were supposed to debate. Um, in actuality, only Rabbi Nuchil of Paris and Rabbi Yehuda ben David Mimalon actually had the, the debate because their answers to all the questions were exactly alike. They didn't, they debated them separately. So the uh, priests realized anyways, the game is up. And they said, forget it, you know, we're not going to debate the other two, the other two um, Baliataisvis. But of course, the verdict was a foregone conclusion anyways. Excuse me. No matter what the Goyim, no matter what the Baliyatayisvis would answer, was a foregone conclusion that the Talmud is anti-Christian and therefore needs to be punished. So, an Erev Shabbos Parshas Chukas in the year 1244, they gathered 24 wagon loads of Talmud, which they estimate as it was about 10,000 Sfarim. And you have to realize, this is way before the printing press. Everything here was handwritten. Shas was handwritten. Many of the Shasim there had in the margins the, the, uh, the, the Torah of the Bali HaTaisvis themselves. Right? The Bali HaTaisvis, they wrote things into the margins of the Gemara. And um, that's, the, you know, that's, uh, that's how they wrote down their Torah. So many of them were kisveyadais with the Goliathus of the Baliataisvis, and they were burnt there in the, in the square there in Paris, um, outside of the uh, Notre Dame church. With the Shailas Chalayim, it's well known, they asked, what's, why is, was this Gzeira? 
And they were told in the in the dream, Dog Zerasa Deraisa, which is the Targum of Zois Chukasa Taira. This is a decree of Hashem from the Taira. So because of that, normally fast days are made based on the calendar date, not on the day of the week. But since Zois Chukasa Taira, Dog Zerasa Deraisa, they saw that this Gezeira had to do with the day of the week. And therefore, it was established in Germany that. Friday of Parshas Chukas is a tainis because of this terrible tzara. The Marami Rutenberg was an eyewitness to the burning of all of these wagon loads of svarim, and he wrote the kina that we say on Tishabov Shalis Rufovaish, ask that one that was burnt in fire. And in that kina, he laments his, the, the, the burning of the, the Talmud, he, he, he expresses his pain. Um, and of 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 all, himself and all of the people around him who went through such a terrible decree, and at the same time, at the end, it ends up with the amuna tmima that we can't have any questions, and rather we just have to strengthen ourselves for the future. Like he writes over there, Voeshal hayesh tayra chadasha, and I will ask, is there a new tayra that this one had its was burnt? And he continues and he says, how in my palate is ever going to taste anything after I saw such a thing that your, your, your Tyra was taken to the middle of the street like an Irani Dachas that was burnt up. And uh, but the end he says, you know, eventually um, my heart is lifted up when I think that the Rabbi Nishal Mayrak is my light and he is going to light up the night and he's going to illuminate the darkness. And that's the Amuna that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will bring a Yeshua. After that story was really the end of the Tkufa, the Baleatisis in France. Rabbeinu Yechiel Paris himself actually went to Israel, established yeshiva there. The Marami Rutenberg went back to Germany. He was a rabbi in numerous places till he eventually came to the city of Rutenberg and established his yeshiva there. And he became the great god of the Marami Rutenberg. To say from, a, from some of the svarim about who he was, the Me'iri, in his uh, preface to Masech Avis, when he talks about the chain of Kabbalah and Klai Yisrael, he says, Sarfas, he talks about France, and he writes, there were many G'daylim after Rashi, until we get to the time of Rabbeinu Meir, Mirutenberg, Rosh Yeshivas, Kol Eretz Sarfas, he was the Rosh Yeshiva of the wall of France, now it's a little not exact, he wasn't in France, he was in Germany when he was Rosh Hashiva. but basically the Miri is explaining that he was considered the Rosh Hashiva of the Jews of the time. The Trumas Hadashim, which is a little bit later in the 1400s, when he talks about um, uh, how to write a get in Rutenberg, how to write a get in Rutenberg, so Trumas Hadashim says, Don't bring a raya from Rabbeinu Meir, There was no one else in his generation like him. His, his Rebbe was the Arzarua, but he had a Talmud, the son of the Arzarua. He was called Marach Arzarua, Reb Chaim, the son of the Arzarua. And he writes, Rabbeinu Meir, Roish HaMalchus He was the head of the kingdom, and he, he was its leader. Um, the Marshal, the Yamshel Shloimai, which is even later, in the 1500s, he writes, There was no one in his generation like him in Torah and in piety. And the Night of Yehuda in Eben Ezra Simen Chaf, um, he brings proofs not like the Maram in a certain sack, and even writes the Maram is connected all the Paiskim. Avil he writes since the Maram was the Or Gadol Asher Heir Kaleretz Ashkenaz, he was the light that illuminated all of Ashkenaz Ba'ar Teirasai. 
and the holiness of his Torah, we could still cannot argue with him, so the Nayyid is saying, even though everybody disagrees with the Maram, but the Maram outweighs all of them. Who were his Talmidim, his big Talmidim, well his Talmidim were mostly all of the big Rabbanim of, of, of Germany at the time, but his big Talmidim were the Rosh, uh, the Mardchai, as we mentioned before, Reb Shimon Bar Tzadok, who wrote a sefer called Tashbats, not the same as the Chuvas Tashbats, it's a sefer called Tashbats, as we'll talk about that sefer a little later in the Shir. The Reb Chaim Ben Har Zarua, we just mentioned the Marach Har Zarua. Reb Yitzchok Midura, who was the author of the Shari Dura, we talked about the Shari Dura last week. The was a halacha sefer, the Ramah wrote his sefer, Tairas Chatas, based on the Shari Dura. Um... The Hagoyis Maimonis was also a Talmud of the Marame Rutenberg. Um, <clears throat> now, just to understand the time that they lived in, in Germany, just to know, the Mardchai, um, whose name was Remardchai ben Hillel from Nuremberg, he was killed with his wife and his five young children, Malkidish um, Hashem, the Mardchai. That's why sometimes he's referred to as HaKadosh. The Hagoyis Maimonis, who was a brother-in-law of the Mardchai, another Talmud, of the um, of the Maram Rutenberg, his name was Remeir ben Yukosil Hakayin, and him and his wife and his daughter were all killed al Kiddush Hashem in 1298 in the Rheinfleisch uh, massacres in uh, in Germany. So this was a terrible tkufa uh, for Klal Yisrael. Um, it was a little bit after the Crusades, which was like a, a, in the 1100 neighborhood. It's a little bit later, um, but uh, this wasn't a good time for Klal Yisrael. Now, to realize at that time there was no Shulchan Aruch, as we know, and the Ashkenazim um, didn't follow the Psakim of the Rambam, so therefore the Marami Rutenberg and his Talmidim came, became really the sources of Halacha and Ashkenaz. Like the Bach writes in Arachayim Tof Reish Ches, he writes, all of our customs, the way we act, are all from the Marami Rutenberg and those who came after him, all of his um, Talmidim. And the Mari Mintz, who lived in the 1400s, in Simon Zayn, he writes, Roiv min hagenu, most of our customs, ubeprat minog ashkenazim, lelech achar daitoi, we go with the das of the Maram Rutenberg, kihu hayamin achroinim, he was considered the achroinim of the Baliyat Taisvis, viyada das kulam, and he knew everybody's das. Vahainu afilu bimokim and this is even when many of the Goynim argue on him. However, the Maram Rutenberg, we pass him like him. He outweighs everyone similar to, um, to what the Noi Dibihuda said um, a couple hundred years later. Now, if we go through the Chuvas of the Maram Rutenberg, we'll see a little bit about uh, a few Chuvas we'll mention. We'll see a little bit perhaps about the times that he lived in, that the Jews were living at the time. There was once, a, uh, he has a tshuva about somebody who got uh, one of the uh, priests of the king angry at him because of a, 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 um, a um, collateral that he was holding. And basically the Maram wrote, You should have penalized him even more because when he made the Kaimer very angry, it's not something that's going to, when you make the priest angry, it's not just going to be against him, it's going to be angry at everybody else. And it was a big sakana for, for, for the people. So you see what they were dealing with, with the priests and with the government. Um, there's a place he writes, I really have more to answer, vainly, 
but I don't have any cloth to write on. I don't have any, any paper to write on. You see the poverty of the time. Um, a few things that he writes, just uh, interesting halacha things. When it comes to Birchas HaTayra, um, he writes, I only say Birchas HaTayra once in the morning, and even if I stop to eat and do other things, I don't um, repeat Birchas HaTayra. Because you never remove your mind from learning, which is the way we paskin. It's really based on this. It comes from the Rush in Shulchan Aruch, but the Rush got it from the Maram Rutenberg. And he says the only thing is that if he goes to sleep, Ashinas Kev on his bed, he takes a, he goes to sleep on his bed, so then he does repeat Birchas HaTayra, which is a Machlaikas in Shulchan Aruch as well. If one does, the Minig is not to the Shulchan Aruch says, but that's the source comes here from the Meram Mirotenberg. Another interesting tshuva, he writes that, I know you heard that I don't eat meat, um, beef, behemachaya after cheese. Um, but I'm lenient with eating um, chicken. Meaning to say, we know that after you eat meat, you have to wait six hours before you have milk. But the other way around, if you eat milk, you're not obligated to eat, wait six hours till you eat meat. But he says, the Maram was telling this person, you heard that I am machmer, that if it's beef, that I wait six hours before I eat it after cheese, but not chicken. And he writes, we may charfi, when I was younger, I'd make fun of people who used to act like this. And um, he says that um, I actually thought it was almost like Kfira, because the Gemara says you don't have to. What are you doing it for? Till one time, he says, I found some cheese in between my teeth, and I realized that maybe there's a reason why you're not spo- there's such a minig of not eating meat right after cheese. So from then on, I decided to be machmer on myself, to wait between milchiks to fleishis, just like you wait from fleishiks to milchiks. And it's not called arguing on the Gemara, and it's not a problem of adding on. Everyone is allowed to make gidorim or a mishmeres, safeguards from themsel- for themselves, so they don't, or they don't, they're not oivran and iser. He writes, but chicken and imekel, because even if you eat chicken and, 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 and milchiks together, it's not deiraisa, so therefore um, he's mekel. Um, interesting thing about mezuzahs at the time. It seems mezuzahs, people were very lax about putting up mezuzahs. And he writes to someone, he says, you are, you wrote to be mechiach, <coughs> to give musr to people who are not mekayim, the mitzvah mezuzah. Because they think if they don't own the house, they're just renting, so they don't have to put up a house. If I don't own a house, I don't have to put up a mezuzah. And, um, he brings there from Rabbeinu Tam. The Rabbeinu Tam says, well, if that's the minig, maybe minig overrides the halacha, and it's already ten years. Rabbeinu Tam writes that in our Medina, there are no mezuzahs. People aren't putting up mezuzahs. But Rabbeinu Tam clearly says this is not a minig; it's a custom that's incorrect. It's a mistake, and therefore you have to fix it. So the Maram continues. The Maram Rutenberg quotes this Rabbeinu Tam, and he continues. He says, if people would know how good mezuzah is for them, they wouldn't. Uh, they wouldn't not put them up. Because anyone who has a mezuzah, muftachim, we're assured <coughs> that anyone who has a mezuzah, keochasa, ain't shumazik yochalishleipai, so no one could hurt him. He writes, in my house, I think I have about 24 mezuzahs. He must have had a lot of doorways. And then he writes, I made a mezuzah for my, my besmedrish, 
and for my base hachayrif was like the the furnace room and the entrance to my house. He writes it was very machmer all places. He made sure there had to be a mezuzah. Now it seems that he really didn't hold that a base medrash is obligated in a mezuzah. However. He put it up anyways for the following reason. The Rush writes in Hilchah's mezuzah, Ais Yod, that in the base Medjish of the Maram there was a mezuzah. And the Maram said that really the Chatzchila, he didn't have a mezuzah. He holds his putter. But then he used to go fall asleep, a little nap in the afternoon in the base Medjish, and there was a Ruach, some type of, I don't know what, some type of spiritual thing, Mivasoi would be scaring him. Until he actually put up a mezuzah on the door. So it seems that the rush is taking this, the uh, sleep and the lack of sleep, the disturbed sleep of the maram, and is putting up of a mezuzah as a, as a halacha, because the rush brings it down like that, and the taz even Hilchas mezuzah quotes it as well. So that's why he put up a mezuzah on the door of his base medrash. Now a very famous thing, <coughs> he writes, the Tashbats, and the Tashbats is a likut of Psakim from the Maram, as we'll see a little bit in a few minutes. He writes that when a person decides he's going to give up his life, Al-Kiddush Hashem, Kol Masha whatever the Goyim do to him, Skila, Sreifa, burying him alive, hanging him, Enoi Kayev Klum, it doesn't hurt him at all. And he says, I'll prove it to you. There's no person in the world that even if his small little finger touches some fire, he doesn't scream in pain. And um, even if he tries not to scream, it's almost impossible. He says, and you see people who are Moiser Nefesh al Kiddush Hashem to be burnt and to be killed. They don't fetch at all, they don't complain at all. So he's saying, why? Because when a person decides he's giving up his life al Kiddush Hashem, the schus, the Kedusha that he has is so great, he Pasha does not feel any pain at all. Very, uh, again, this had to do with the times. And you see another tshuva, he writes, about a terrible situation that they had in times of the Crusades and other times, about people who decided to kill their own children rather than them falling in the hands of the Crusades. And this was a big shaila. If one's allowed to do such a thing, Bechlal commits suicide, uh, not to be given over Al-Kiddush Hashem, in the Dasekenim, in Bali Atoisvis, in Parshas Noyach, by the Isra of Suicide, um, they, they bring down a machlaikas there with stories. Those are the Baliataisas. They lived through these times of the Crusades and terrible pogroms, and they had to make these decisions. And um, the Maram Rutenberg says, He says, I don't know what I would paskin first, he says, um, about the person killing his own children, And then he says, at the end, he says, It's Pasha Leheter. He says, um, He says, And anyone who says that if you do this, you need a kapara, so he's saying bad things about the Hasidim Harishainim, saying Lashonar about them, because many uh, Rishainim did such a thing. This is one of the kinos that we say on, on, on Tishabov. And it doesn't mean Reb Kleinimus himself did it, if I remember correctly, it means he wrote about it. He wrote about, at that time, in the time of the Crusades, there's a few kinas about them. Clearly it says over there that they shechted their children so they shouldn't, um, shouldn't fall on the hands of the Goyim. So this is another indication of what was going on in Germany at the time. Um, there's another tshuva that he writes about if a person is allowed to hit his wife. Um, I guess it was something... 
that needed to be spoken out. And he says, Mekublani shi'esh la'achmir boy. Of course, he says, you're not allowed to do it, and you have to be more strict with someone who does it more than someone who stam hits people, because you're obligated to honor your wife more than your friend. He says, this is derech ha-goyim bekach. Goyim don't do this. No Jew should chas v'shalom do such a thing. And if a person hits his wife, you should put him in cherim, you should give him lashes, you should give him, punish him in any different way. And then he says, interesting thing, and even to cut off his hand, if that's the normal punishment of the time, to cut off his hand, so cut off his hand for striking his wife. So that's another interesting tshuva from the Meram, Meram Merutenberg. Um, <clears throat> now, because of what was going on, now that we see the situation in, in Germany, it was a terrible situation for the, for the Jews, Many of the German Jews decided that they are going to flee Germany, maybe to go to Israel, like Rabbi Chiyomi Paris already did earlier. The Caesar at the time um, was Rudolf, and um, he um, he put out a uh, an edict that said that basically we own the Jews, we own the Jews, um, yeah, we own the Jews, begufam uverachusham, we own their bodies, we own all their money. Everything they have is ours. And if they try to run away without a rishayon, without some type of permission, and a special uh, yaskama, and a special permission from us, they're not allowed to do it. We'll confiscate everything because they, we own them. So you see the viewpoint of how King Rudolf, <coughs> the king of Germany, viewed the Jews. So the Maram also tried to leave. And he made it to the south of Germany, the north of Italy, to Lombardy. And in the year 1286, he took his family and his sons and his daughters and his sons-in-laws, and they uh, and they tried. They left Rutenberg, uh, you know, uh, secretly, and um, they made it to the south there. Um, while he was there in Lombardy, he decided to wait for some of his the people of his city to to catch up to him. And while he was there, there was a certain Mishumad who was accompanying the Archbishop of Mainz, and he recognized the Maram Rutenberg, and he understood that Maram is trying to escape. So on Dalit Tammuz of 1286, they arrested the Maram Rutenberg, and they took him to first uh, one, one jail called Warsburg, Warsburg, Warsburg I guess. Um, it's not the same as Warsburg before. I think it's a different place. This is with the Samach, that was with the Tzadi. And then the, the, the famous one that he was actually put into was the uh, fortress in a place called Ensesheim, which is in France, and um, that's where he was put into uh, jail there. Um, the Hagois Maimonis in Hilcha Shabbos, Perek Vavi writes, I remember when I was with my Rebbe, the Maram Rutenberg, in the Migdal of Varsberg. So that was the first place they was in. Um, now he wanted to rant the the uh, the uh, the king wanted that the Jews should pay a ransom of twenty thousand marks, which is was an enormous amount of money, and they had no choice, and they decided that they're going to raise the money. The rush, who was his Talmud, was a wealthy person, and he was a guarantor on the amount of money that it was. But as we know, the Maram said he paskined, and the Maram, as we said, was the leader of Klal Yisrael. That they cannot redeem him because there's halacha in Mesech de Gitin, 
You do not redeem captives more than they're worth because that only encourages the Goyim to take more hostages. And the Marshal in Gitten, on that Gemara, he brings the story and he says, Vani Tama. He says, I wonder. Like we quoted this part before, that there was no one greater in his generation in Torah and piety. Um, the God of Adar, you could spend any money to redeem him. And he says, maybe you'll say the Maram was an Anav, and he want, he didn't want to consider himself a taf, consider himself a Tamuchacha Muflug. But what about his own Bittul Taira? His own Bittul Taira. Kasher Kasa Ba'atzma, he writes about himself in numerous places that he's a Yoishiv Bechoshech Vitzamavis. He's sitting in darkness, believe Taira Vaira, without Taira and light. And he would complain, says the Marshal, that he doesn't have Sifrei Apaiskim and Taisvis. So says the Marshal, if there was so much Bittul Taira on his part, how come he didn't let them redeem him for the Bittul Taira? Um, so he says the only thing is, he says the Rabbim Tzrichim Lai, the world needs him. It must be it was that if they redeem him, what will happen is this will just encourage them to always take every greatest Gadol Hadar um, for an extremely large amount of money. So it's not just about the fact that they're going to take more captives, they'll take more captives, we'll redeem them. But there's going to come a point that there's going to be no money left to redeem the God Adar. And if that's going to happen, then the Gedali Adar are going to be stuck and there's going to be no more Taira. So, Mishumachi Amar These are the words of the Yam Shalshlaimai. The pious one said, meaning the Maram Rutmurk said, Mutub Ma'at Yisrael. It's better that a little bit of Torah should be lost from Klai Yisrael, meaning his own Torah that he won't learn because he's still in jail, rather than losing the entire Torah, the main Torah, meaning to say his little Torah that he feels is, is Kedai to not to, to lose, in order that they shouldn't take all the Chachmei Hadar and then there won't be any Torah left in Klai Yisrael. He was in jail for seven years. Seven years he was in jail from 1286 to 1293. While he was there, he learned his Talmidim, some of his Talmidim, not the Rush, but the Tashbats and the, um, the Tashbats came to him, the Goyz Maimonis came to him as we saw before. And he learned and he, would, he wrote Chuvas there and he would sign his Chuvas, Ha'ani Anishkach Mikoltoiv, the poor one who has for, been forgotten from all good things. Askufa Hani Dresses is like a, a, door po, a doorstep that's being trampled on. Um, <coughs> as we said, that um, his Talmud, his Talmidim visited him, the Agoyz Maimonis, Rameir Akayin, has Chuvas that he wrote, um, that the Maram Rutenberg wrote in jail. In one place the Maram writes, I don't have Taisus of Gitin, I don't have any of the Paiskim, like the Marshal wrote before that he wrote this, the Maram. He says, I wrote all these things, just, you know, basically what they, my Tziyata Dishmaya, because I don't have Svarim. He writes, if you're going to find a Taisus or a Paisik who argues on me, but Ladaiti. 
He says, so then uh, I, I um, um, so then ignore what I'm saying. Kimal what does a poor person know? who's here in the darkness with no seder already three and a half years. And uh, the Agoyis Maimonis in numerous places writes, Uve Migdal Insaheim, Tiritli Rabbeinu. In this, uh, in the fortress of Ensesheim, this is what Rabbeinu the Maram answered me. So numerous places the Agoyis Maimonis clearly was there with him. In both, uh, we had him in the first place in Varsberg, and now we had him in Ensesheim. He, Ensesheim, he was with him in both places, constantly visiting him and learning with him. His Talmud the Tashvats, like we said before, um, the uh, Reb Shimon ben Reb Tzadik. So he was also, he also visited him. And the Sefer Tashbats in the uh, title page it writes there, Chamesh Meis Minhagim, 500 customs upsakim, Vidinim of Rabbi Hagoyin Maram, Asher Meis Beves Asayer, who as we'll see died in jail. The Tashbats wrote this Sefer, Mipiv, based on what the Maram told him, when he was together with him in the jail. So the Tashbats would, 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 would learn with him there, and there's this Sefer called Tashbats, which are over 500 um, or 500 Minhagim and Psokim from the Maram Rutenberg that he wrote and that he said while he was in jail for these seven years. Um, in the Chuvas, he mentions that he has a pirush on Zroim and Taharis. Um, and he writes, he writes to someone, my, my, uh, my pirush on Zroim and Taharis, when I get out of here, l'shalom, I'll make sure that you'll get it, that it'll be copied over for you. And then he writes, Uvitvisasi, hear, hear that I'm in jail, as bayri shachachti, I have not forgotten my creator, and in his Taira and in his Yira, I have still clung. So even though on one hand he was complaining a lot that he's in the darkness and he doesn't have the Arha Taira, but over here he talks about his Amuna, that even though he's here in jail, he is still clinging to the Taira. In the end of the fourth parak of Ahalois, you can look there, his Pirish on Ahalois is on the sa- in the back of the Gemara of Nida, where it has the Mishnayis with the Rash and the Rambam, on the side of Nagoyin and Alas, in little letters, is the Pirish of the Maram Rutenberg. And there's a parak there, the fourth parak is called the parak of Migdal Ha'imid Ba'avir. It's talking about a, a Migdal, it literally means like a chest that's standing in the air. And there's the Halachas of Tumah, Tumas Oil for that. But a Migdal can also be a fortress. So he writes, Kalela Savavti Vaisavti, the Perak Migdal Ha'imid Ba'avir. This is what I wrote. In Parak Migdal Aymid Ba'avir, Bimigdal Ensesheim, in this uh, fortress of Ensesheim. So it's like a play on words, the Migdal Aymid Ba'avir, because he was in a Migdal. Biyaisi Tafu Shama, he writes, when I was, uh, I was locked up there. Mulvad Mashakasafti Allah Bevesi. So he must have started this Pirish when he was in his, at home, and he added on to it while he was in, uh, while he was in jail. After seven years, in the year 1293, on Yutes Er, the Maram was Nifter in jail. They thought then perhaps to let out his body, but King Rudolf refused unless they paid the full amount. Um, the Rush, who was in Arev, was afraid for his life. We mentioned this in the Shir on the Rush. He was afraid for his life because maybe he was the next God al Hadar, as the, as the Yam Shashleimer wrote, and they would take him. And plus, he didn't have that amount of money to pay. And that's when the Rush ran away from Germany and ran to Svarat, to Spain. 
So he lay, his body lay in the prison for another seven years, until the year 1300 on Dalad Adar. There was a year, Yid named, um, there was a Yid named Alexander Ziskind Weimfen from Frankfurt, and he was a wealthy person, and he paid um, a lot of money to get out the body of the Maram Mirutenberg. I don't know if he actually paid the ransom, or he bribed the guard, whatever it was, he did pay a lot of money um, to get the body out and to bury the Maram Mirutenberg in worms. There is Edus that when they took out his body, so it was seven years later, it was nearer, he looked, he looked exactly the way he was that the day he had passed away. Um, now, there are uh, different uh, versions of how the story continues. Some nuschai, some versions say that Rabbi Alexander was passed away during that year, and he had asked to be buried next to the Maram. That was his reward. And it actually says on his Matseva, it says, Ratzin Sheyatzin B'Tzidai. His will was to be next to the Maram. If you look at the Matseva, the Matseva says, the Matseva of this Rebbe Alexander Ziskind, says that he was Nifter on Yom Kippur in the year Samaches, which is the year 1307. So the Maram was buried, Dalit Adar, 1300. So this is... Um, seven years later, seven and a half years later, I guess, and um, and he's be- and that's when he was nifter. The third version is the chida. The chida brings b'shem Reb Yehuda, the son of the Rush, that Reb Alexander was nifter that night, the night that he buried the Maram Rosenberg. He was nifter, and people wonder what was going on. He did such a big mitzvah. He was nifter, and the chida writes that uh, that Reb Yehuda ben Harash says that he came in a, in a dream to his friend. And he said that the Maram had such a karas to him that he got him to Kvuras Yisrael. So he gave him a choice. Either he could have extreme riches for him and his children at Saif Kal for eternity. So be an usher muflog forever. Or he could be next to the Maram Mirutenberg in Gan Eden. However, if he chooses to be next to the Maram Mirutenberg in Gan Eden, he has to die immediately. And this Rebbe Alexander Ziskin told his friend, I chose the second version, the second option, and that's why I was nifter immediately. Um, so that is the, the verse brought down, B'Shem, B'Shem, uh, the Chidah, right, th- this version of the story. My Rebbe Rabrev, the Zechariah Levracha, used to say this over, he brings the story down in his Sefer on, uh, on, on Tishrei, Chaydesh Tishrei, uh, Lev Shloimei on Tishrei, and there's a picture of the two Matzevas there, the Maram and Alexander are right next to each other, I was in Worms a few years ago, and, uh, and was there at their Kvarim, and Rav Revda would explain, like, what, what type of decision was the Maram asking him to make. And he said that, you, you know, Elam Haba is not a free place. You can't just invite people in for free as a guest. Someone has to prove that they belong in Elam Haba. And just because a person learns Tyre and Mitzvahs doesn't mean that they are, quote-unquote, a Ben Elam Haba. There's someone who really wants to live Elam Haba. So this Rabbi Alexander, to be in the Elam Haba with the Rishayinim, the Maram in Rutenberg and the Rishayinim, it's, he has to prove that he belongs there. So therefore he was offered a, a tremendous amount of Eilam Hazer. Ashirus Mufleges, unbelievable, fabulous wealth, at Saif Kaladiris, for eternity. And if he's able to give that up, so that shows that he realizes Eilam Hazer is not the main thing for him. Eilam Abba is what this world is all about, earning Eilam Abba. And by giving that up, he earns his place to be a Ben Eilam Abba with the Marami Rutenberg. As we said, the Maram was the was the last last uh, few of the Baliat Taisvis. 
Um, he wrote Tais, he wrote Taisvis on eighteen Mesechtas. The main one we have is Mesechta Yuma. He wrote a Pirish, as we said, on Negoim and Alas. We don't have I'm sorry, Negoim and Alas we do have on the side of the Gemara. The rest of Zeroim and Taharas we don't have. The Taisis Yantif mentions it a few places, a few pieces. He must have had some printing of it or some copy of parts of the Maram Rutenberg's uh, Pirish and Zroim and Taharas. Um, as we said, his Psakim were the basis for all of Piske Ashkenaz um, until the Ramah and further. The Ramah is always quoting the Maram Rutenberg. Um, the Maril, the Marivayal, who were the next generation after the Maram Rutenberg, who are also the source of many Minhagi Ashkenaz, are all based on the Maram Rutenberg, as we mentioned before. And like the Shach writes in Chayshemishka Shin Lamid, Ein Lach like Allah Bisvara, we cannot argue with the Maram Rutenberg in logic. As we said before, he was the Gadol Hadar, and for us, Bnei Ashkenaz, the source of many of our Minhagim and Psakim are from the Maram Rutenberg and his Talmidim. We should talk a to see an end to all our Tsaris and see Yeshua's for Kla Yisrael. Um, this is the last year before Shavuos, so I want to wish everybody a good Jantif. Everyone should have a wonderful Kabbalah Satira, and we should merit that we should see Mashiach Tzidkenu, Bimheira, Amen. Call to everyone.